What's up, y'all, and welcome in to the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, back in action once again, Jack Vita. We had a fun time last week. Albert Destrade, formerly of Survivor South Pacific fame, was here. We went live and we talked baseball for an hour. And uh, once again, I must quote Talking Jake from the Talking Baseball podcast and say that baseball is hot in the streets right now. It's been a phenomenal product all year, and we're this is the good stuff right here. This is we're getting down to the nitty gritty. We only got seven or eight weeks left here of the regular season. Division races up for grabs, especially in the NL East. We have a transfer of power. I have a man who's very pumped to talk about it joining me in a second. But first, before I bring him on, I just want to say if you guys like today's episode of the Jack Vita Show, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever it is that you are listening to podcasts. We're on every podcast platform. Follow along on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for the best sports movie bracket of all time. My social media handles are all at Jack Vita show. So make sure you vote. We're down to 32 movies. We'll talk plenty of that. We'll talk plenty of baseball. Let me bring in our guest returning to the show. Once again, Philly fanatic, Jake Poliga. (laughs) Welcome back, my friend. Uh, always a pleasure, Jack, especially right now. You picked a, uh, picked a good day to have me on. No Phil's game coming off an eight game win streak. Dodgers in town. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. We'll talk. We'll talk plenty of Phillies in a second. Before that, I want to hear your thoughts. We've got the, uh, best sports movie bracket going on on my social media accounts and at my site, jackvita.com, which by the way, If you guys want to get all my content, subscribe to my newsletter on my website and you'll get notified whenever I write something, whenever I podcast something, you'll get alerts as to what's going on with this bracket. Started at 128 movies. We're down to 32. Jake, I know you got the bracket in front of you. Uh, Any thoughts you have on this bracket up to this point? Yep, absolutely. I just wanted to say that I think uh, adding in semi-pro in there is... Game-changing decision, Jack. That's that's going to be my vote till the end. But uh, but no, no, no. Moneyball, actually. I got to go with Moneyball, my favorite movie of all time. But uh, I, liked, I like the selection you got here. I think you've got a little bit of everything. Yeah, I mean, with 128, it's hard to find movies that are snubbed. And I mean, as I was making this field, it was like I was going to do 64. And I was like, I can't leave that movie out. I can't leave that movie out. And I, was, I just ended up expanding it to 128 and got them all in. And then, it, and then I somehow forgot one of the movies that I really wanted to put in there. I forgot to put it in. <laughs> what is that one? Have you ever seen the movie Sugar? Uh-uh. It's a, it's a good movie. It's about players from the Dominican Republic and other Central American countries coming over and playing minor league baseball and just kind of like that struggle of what that's like just mm. playing minor league baseball and coming over here uh, to a, a country that you're not familiar with having to learn English. It's a fictional movie. Um, and it's, it's really, really dang good. And I cannot believe that I forgot to put that in this field, but thankfully no one's noticed. <laughs> until a, now. Yeah. It's a movie I haven't heard of. There's actually a good amount on here, Jack, that I haven't, uh, 
I'm not a big movie guy as is, so <laughs> I, I, this is the right category of movies for me to at least be able to talk about, you know? <laughs> Anything surprising to you so far? We've had some upsets, like Mike as the 15 seed has won both its matchups. It beat Itania, it beat White Men Can't Jump. Now, like Mike has a chance, the Sweet 16, if it can beat Blades of Glory this week. Mm, that's going to be a tough one. I think I think those those are actually, you know, two of the the classics right there, but I guess that <laughs> that's going to be I think that's going to be a, you know, an age generation thing. It's going to be a favorite sport type thing, Will Ferrell. Mm. I'm, I'm a big Will Ferrell guy, so uh so you know, he he's in Blades of Glory, right? Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah, and, yeah, okay, okay. But in terms of favorite sport, I guess I don't know how many people like figure skating is a favorite yeah. sport. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, we have, I mean, we have a really exciting, some really great matchups this week. Field of Dreams versus Semi Pro. You're on, you're on Team Semi Pro there. I love Field of Dreams, Jack. But yeah, Semi Pro is, <laughs> is Semi Pro is one of my favorite movies of all time. I, I, I couldn't vote against it. <laughs> even though we, even with the Field of Dreams game this week, you know, it's a good, uh, good timing for it. Yeah, semi-pro is a, a cult classic. I think Andre 3000 is one of the great, I mean, well, Andre 3000, Woody Harrelson, like the, just some great casting in that movie. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I was thinking about 3000 recently, like, what does that guy do now? Is he retired <laughs> at age 40? <laughs> I don't know, Jack, wish I did. <laughs> the natural versus bull durham do you have a preference there um i haven't seen can't say i've seen either of them oh I, I, i've heard I, i've obviously heard of bull durham um the natural ring me catch me up on that because i feel like i've heard of it too so the natural is uh robert redford it's an old movie from like mid 70s early 80s like sometime between 75 and 1988 sometime in that stretch um, and it's so it's a little bit of a longer, slower movie because a lot of the movies from that era are just a little slower, um, but it's a great film. So what it is, is uh, Robert Redford is this ball player named Roy Hobbs. He's a an extremely talented pitcher, uh, gets injured. I, I can't remember if he has Tommy John or what, but he can't pitch anymore. And he reinvents himself as a hitter. And uh, it's basically the fictional story of Rick and Keel before Rick and Keel. <laughs> okay. I, I, now that you're talking about it and everything, I actually have heard of it. So that's why, uh, that's, that's why it rang a little bit of a bell. <laughs> uh, remember the Titans versus dodgeball. I, you have to have seen those. Yes. And that is two of the, that is probably the tough decision on here. That's who I don't even know what I'd, uh, what I'd go there. Dodgeball is obviously, you know, one of my, favorite movies of all time but then remember the titans is probably my number one football movie so jack really uh splitting hairs there yeah that's a that's a tough one in the same bracket we also have so the winner of that is going to face the winner of friday night lights versus rudy and i i have already endorsed friday night lights as my favorite movie in this region um but i mean these are yeah these are we're getting down to the good part of this these are some tough matchups yeah absolutely and uh Rudy, this is going to sound bad. It's going to sound real bad, especially as a kid from South Bend, Indiana. But I've actually never seen Rudy, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that's not okay. I don't think. Look, there are certain movies that I think. So I haven't seen Hoosiers, and I seen, I'm. 
Yeah. Yep, haven't seen it either. Yeah. There are certain movies, Jake, that didn't come out during our lifetimes. And I think that if it comes out when you weren't alive, I wouldn't say like, I, I think you have an alibi of not seeing it at this point in your life. And you, you know, you're only like Jake, you're only like 25. So you still got a lot of years left to watch these. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and, you know, I'm getting into TV shows slowly. I've been watching a lot lately. And, and so I'll get into the movies, you know, there's, it's going to be a time when I'm just going to sit back and want to watch, <laughs> want to binge a bunch of movies. All right. So some of the other matchups here, guys, uh, to vote on this week, and you can do so at my Instagram, my Facebook, and my Twitter. Again, that's at Jack Vita Show for all three of those. Uh, the Sandlot is taking on a league of their own. Good baseball matchup there. Space Jam versus The Blind Side. Miracle versus Cool Runnings. We also have on the other side of the bracket, Happy Gilmore versus Jerry Maguire. Uh, you've seen Happy Gilmore, right, Jake? Oh, yeah. One of the best. <laughs> <laughs> That's That might be my all-time favorite movie. That's not even talking about this bracket. I mean, I absolutely love that movie. That is, that is truly one of the greatest movies. So Adam good. Sand- a- Adam Sandler just kills that that whole entire, you know, my brother was a huge fan of all the Adam, Adam uh, Sandler movies when when they were yeah. coming out when i was a kid and my mom she didn't love me watching them because they're a little vulgar but hey, <laughs> I, I always snuck them in somehow <laughs> uh, the thing that's great about those movies is he somehow finds a way to get his friends into every single movie that's and my favorite part same about cast it, members so it's like oh look there's guy grenoir from the water boy and now he's a cop in grown-ups too yeah <laughs> uh too good oh yeah um Waterboy, that's that's still left here. You saw Waterboy, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, that that's one of the classics that I have seen. Waterboy versus Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year, I've I, I I've seen parts of it. Um, okay. Yeah, it's that's that's one that I feel like I've seen. I saw when I was a, when I was really young. So you know, it's one that I can't really rem, like piece too much together. But I know I know the premise of it. Rookie of the Year is a good one. Major League versus Rocky Two. I, it was fun. I got to be in, I was in Cleveland two weeks ago, the uh, home of the Cleveland Indians, soon to be Guardians, it looks like. Um, <laughs> and Major League is still you've seen. Have you seen Major League, Jake? Oh, Please yeah. tell me you have. OK, good. Oh, yeah. So I didn't know that your boy. No, you're, you're a big uh, class A guy. You're not Karen. You like Karen check, but. Class A, I like Class A. That hundred mile an hour cutter does me, uh, does some dirty things. <laughs> and you were, you were right, by the way, because we did this podcast. We previewed the AL Central before the season, and you said Class A is going to take over as a closer. He has, so props to you on that. Yeah, I appreciate that, Jack. Always nice to get some rec- recognition for a uh, preseason <laughs> take that that folds out. I had plenty of them, so uh, you know, a couple of them are going to hit. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a that was a good one. Um, but I guess I didn't realize that Karen check wears 99 and he rocks the wild thing. So I, maybe you knew that, but when he comes into the game, he, they play wild thing and everyone goes crazy. It's great. <laughs> I do love that. Yeah. I like James too. I'm not saying I'm, I'm picking sides here. I just think class A is the yeah. guy. He's the truth. Yeah. I mean, that's a team that if only they had some, some major league bats in that batting order. As you look yep. at the pitching staff is just so, so good. They're in the AL Central, which is a relatively easy division. 
no one no, i think the Sox the only team in that division with a plus run differential so like if they could just string together some bats that team would be playoff caliber but they they don't they just don't have yeah, the bats i know it's a it's a team that i i you know tend to root for and the team i like to see win especially uh in the future with the guardians so I don't know. Got a lot of a lot of really good young pitching. Bieber out for the year really hurt him. So or not out yeah. for the year. I guess he might come back soon here, but he's essentially the whole year. I haven't. I mean, I don't know what the deal with uh, Tristan McKenzie's been. Yeah, they. So I had actually, I actually had him in fantasy. I drafted him in a couple of my leagues, and I was excited about him coming into the year. I thought yeah, he's gonna. Me too. You know, but they've kind of just had a. You know, had a big leash on him, and they're only letting him go. You know, sixty, eighty pitches each outing, and it, I get it. They're not really contending this year. You know, build the guy up and everything, but at some point, you you want to see uh, what he can do. You know, absolutely. I mean, if you had to buy stock in one of those starters other than Bieber, who would it be? I guess that'd be my question. Ooh. That's a good question. Um, Savali's probably been the best of them this year. Yeah, I, I was probably. I'm probably going to say Savali just because I I'm a big Aaron Savali guy. I think just his he's got a nasty five pitch repertoire and he can command it. And everything I've seen from him this year, and I mean he's been good in his entire big league career so far. He's what three four ERA somewhere around there. And I don't know. I'm I'm impressed with the guy. I'd probably go him, but I like McKenzie. I just want to see some more from him. Um, I, he, he wasn't too high of a touted prospect and he's got, you know, the smaller frame, which, you know, can go either way for a pitcher, but, but I definitely go Savali there. And another take of yours that I remember you were big on the development of this Detroit Tigers team. And Hey, thank you, Jack. <laughs> it's been a long rebuild for the Tigers. This seems to have been going on for about, six years, which is like three years longer than a rebuild should probably last. Yeah. And now they're starting to see the fruits of their harvest. This is a team that I, I could be, I could be incorrect on this, but I heard this number earlier today. I believe it's correct. Jake, they started the season like eight and 24, right? Was they started really bad like that. Yeah. And since then they've had a winning record in each of the following three months. So the month of May, the month of July, or the month of June and the month of July. Last three months, winning record in each month. So wow. now you're looking at a team that when they started, they started out uh again 16 games back of 500. They're just six games back of 500 right now. They've gone on a couple of nice winning streaks. AJ Hinch that club, they got some good young talent. They just extended Jonathan Scope. I mean, look out for the Tigers over the next couple of years here. Absolutely. And, I mean, Torkelson and Green, the, those two blue-chip prospect bats they've got coming up, I don't know, man. I mean, if they can find uh, if they can find consistency with Scoobal, Mize, uh, Manning, and um, God, I'm missing one other one. But they got a nice bullpen, too. Gregory Soto is an all-star this year. He's awesome. Oh, yeah. Michael Fulmer seems like he actually finally found his, you know, his place in the league. He seems like he's a good, good long reliever that can get you some high leverage endings. Even they're definitely a team that I'm a, that I think is, you know, next year, if not the year after could be a, at least, you know, in it like a, like a 2017 Phil's team where they start off a little hot and, you know, surprising fans. 
Yeah, I think that there's a lot of potential there for that, especially if you just look at the state of this division. Minnesota's the worst team this year, and I truly do not know. I know they're pretty optimistic about the idea of they bounce back a year from now by just keeping the same core intact, but it, it might not come back. I mean, the twins, I know you were that you were big on the twins coming into the year, right? Or you liked them as a playoff team. I like them, but I think I, I I don't remember specifically Jack, but I think I might add the Indians at two twins at three. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I'm, I was, I, I mix you up with somebody else. That's correct. Um, cause we both love the socks coming into the year, Yeah, but, I mean, it might not come back for the Twins. They might end up trading Byron Buxton. They might trade some of these guys next year if it, if it doesn't come back. The Royals were fun at the start of this year, but they don't look like they're turning the corner next year. And we highlighted the problem with Cleveland. So there's a real opportunity. Don't be surprised. I mean, Detroit could use a shortstop. What if A.J. Hinch and Carlos Correa reunite in Detroit this winter? I've heard a lot of smoke down that road, Jack, and I would love to see it. I like Carlos Correa a lot. I know it's a very unpopular opinion. I know a lot of, <laughs> a lot of people don't like him, but uh, I think he's I, I think he's gotten what he deserved already. You know, it's, I think that's over and everything. I, just the player he is on the field, he's an awesome defender. He's a still grow, he's still developing hitter, but he's got all the tools. He's got so much talent, and he's a guy that you know I wouldn't even be upset if the Phillies went out and splurged for him, which. Ooh. Probably not. Probably not going to happen. Definitely not going to happen. But uh, <laughs> especially if I was the Tigers, you know, he's a young guy. He's he's a great contract to sign right now for a team like that. I wonder what Brandon Crawford's going to get this winter because he's a free agent. He's older. He's caught. This might be the best year of his career, though. Absolutely. He's coming off coming off that like kind of outlier year. You know, it's always adds for like an intriguing intriguing free agency situation and. I imagine his uh, his free agency taking a while. You know, it's going to be one of those situations where I don't know who his agent is. If it's Boris, I can guarantee it. But but uh, yeah, I imagine he gets he gets paid somewhere. So Jake, a few more of these matchups uh, on the movie thing. So we've got Talladega Knights versus Caddyshack. A couple of comedies cl- clashing there. We've got Hoosiers versus Forty Two. And then we've got uh, the rookie versus the fighter. So, uh, are you partial to any of those films? Um, I actually seen all of them, I believe. Oh, look at that! Um, not, not Hoosiers, though. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Besides <laughs> Hoosiers, <laughs> but uh, as, as long as the fighter is the one I'm thinking about, which I'm pretty sure. Mark Wahlberg, Christian yeah. Bale. Yeah, yep. great film. Great film. Uh, yeah, great film. Um, I like. So, I mean, I like that one, but uh, what was the first matchup you said? Talladega Knights versus yep. Caddyshack. Talladega Knights. So, Caddyshack, I mean, I I like it. It's it's an older film. I'm not big in older films, but Talladega Knights, we actually, uh, me and my roommates watched that two nights ago here. Probably my <laughs> 20th time seeing it, man. That is one of the best <laughs> best films out there. Um, I have not seen Caddyshack yet. Which is, I, I feel bad when I admit these things because I'm the guy running this bracket <laughs> and I'm supposed to be somewhat reputable. But uh, I mean, yeah, I haven't seen it. I I don't like you, Jake. I just feel like it's hard to find time to watch movies regularly when you watch mm-hmm. as much sports as we do. Yep. So, that, yeah, that's but, right, Jack. 
huge, the toughest, this might be the toughest matchup for me so far. The Rookie and The Fighter, those are two of my favorite movies. I think The Fighter is a greater film, but I have more of a sentimental attachment to The Rookie. It was one of my favorites as a kid. I gotcha, yeah. Um, 42, another one you mentioned in there. That's yeah. That's definitely one of my favorite films. I'd say that's where we're right in the top five of this whole entire bracket, too, for me. So I love that movie. Yeah. All right, Jake, let's talk some more baseball. We We got into it a little bit with the AL Central. Uh, but we got to get to the most fascinating division right now, and that is your NL East. And so just <laughs> a quick scoreboard update for those that have not been, so, who may have missed it. I mean, Jake, I was out of town this past weekend. By the way, did you have a good weekend, Jake? Oh, I had an all-timer weekend, Jack. <laughs> Doc Halliday got the uh, David Montgomery night Friday in Philly, mm-hmm. and then uh, Doc Halliday retired his jersey on Sunday and then Zach mm. Wheeler did uh did Doc Halliday things out there and completed the sweep. It was it was just you know, it was one of those this is the best moment as a Phillies fan in the last ten years for me. Absolutely. Wow. wow. Okay. Absolutely. So I was out of town Friday, Saturday, went up to my buddy's lake house with some friends from Carthage, had a really fun time just getting together with some old pals that uh unfortunately don't get to see as much. After you get out of college, you don't get to have as many late nights. Um, mm-hmm. And our our version of a late night is just sitting around watching the gold medal game and staying <laughs> up and like you know, just just talking and goofing around, joking, having having a fun time. And um, but hey, great time, great weekend. Hope everyone had a great weekend. So if everyone, I want to just say, here's your update. I'd say the the lead story right now from the past weekend in the world of baseball. The New York Mets have fallen out of first place and the Philadelphia Phillies are now in first place. They have a two game lead over the Atlanta Braves who are also playing some good baseball and the Mets have now lost four straight. They've lost, I think two, they, I think they've won two of their last 11 or something like that. They're free falling mm-hmm. and Jacob deGrom's out their pitching staff. You and I have been texting a little bit about this over the last month or so saying we I, I how is this pitching staff going to make this pitching staff was all world in the first half they're set to be some sort of regression and the team doesn't score runs so they went out and they got Javi Baez and now Javi's just Javi is what he is he's gonna have a game where he hits two homers and the next day he turns around and he has a platinum sombrero <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, you're right though. I mean, it, he's he, Jack. He, you're 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 one of the biggest guys who is very. You're one of the only Cubs fans who's always been realistic about Hobby and what kind of player he is. And um, you know, even two years ago, I remember you talking about KB and Hobby when Hobby is having a way better season than KB, and you were one of the only Cubs fans out there telling telling us and telling everyone, hey, KB is a much better player. Just watch the games. Like you know, the, the real fans will understand and. And you were so right. You hit that on the head. I mean, thank you. Yeah, it, I I just think that uh, the hobby's not going to do too much for that Mets team right now. They need a guy who's not going to strike out with a runner on third and less than two outs. Like that's yeah. that's the biggest problem right now is runners in the scoring position. And hobby's going to bring you some electricity, and he's going to bring you. Uh, you know, it's going to be great for the fan base. But realistically, you know, you, they've got Lindor coming back, and they're going to slot Javi in at second. Doesn't make their lineup that much better. I I just think. Uh, 
I don't know. Like you said, there were pitching regressions already hitting. Taiwan Walker's coming back to real life. DeGrom doesn't look like he might even come back at all this year. So, uh, you know, Mets fans are already calling for the tank, or not calling for the tank, but they're calling for a clean house. And uh, I remember when the Bills were there about two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just felt like, so I, I always, I never have much confidence in the Mets. And it, it sounds like I'm a hater, but then the Mets seem to prove me right, it seems. And then it's like, like I, I don't want to. I'm not a hater of really any team except maybe the the team in Houston. That might be the only one. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I don't, I, I don't dis, I don't root against anybody. The Mets are a team that it, it just felt like we're gonna piece this team together. We're gonna throw some guys in there, and it's all gonna come together somehow. And they had a good first half. Like th- again, this isn't a bad team. They're not a bad team, but the division was extremely bad in the first half. It was a bad division in the first half. Now Philly and Atlanta, the two teams that I expected to be slugging it out for the division in the preseason are starting to turn a corner. It looks like, and the Mets are coming back down to earth. If you look at the teams in this division, well, I guess we'll, we'll come back to this idea in a second, but yeah, the Mets, it's just like, I felt like what they should have done. They should have done what the Braves did at the deadline. The Braves went out and they picked up a handful of guys to space out their lineup. They needed more than like the the Braves could have gotten just one bat. And I don't think that would have paid the dividends that we're seeing right now. What the Braves ended up doing was they went and they got four bats, space out the lineup, add a reliever and Richard Rodriguez. The Mets needed more help than just Javi Baez and Trevor Williams. They need to go out and look, you don't need you need to you don't need to give, give up Pete Crow Armstrong or PCA as we're probably going to be calling him <laughs> over the years. You don't have to give up PCA for Javi Baez. Go out and get go get Zach Davies. Go get uh another pitcher of that caliber. Just a couple of guys like that who are solid three or four guys, give you five or six innings, you know, rest your bullpen a little bit like what Kyle Gibson is giving to the Phillies right now. Go out and get those guys. Go get a couple of the bats that the Braves got. But I I just don't I and I know, look, it's 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 kind of bold. It's this whole thing is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a long season. You're going to go through peaks and valleys. I don't know. I really don't see how it gets better for the Mets here, Jake. No, Jack, you couldn't have said any better there. I mean, they 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 just have guys. And, and that's what the Phillies have had for the last, you know, two years. The Phillies have been really underwhelming. It's because they didn't have these guys like Ro- Ronnie Torres, Travis Jankowski, just these role players, Brad Miller's, you know, the role players that show up off the bench, show up when injury, when injuries happen and everything. Like uh, Dave Dombrowski goes out and gets Kyle Gibson, Ian Kennedy, Ian Kennedy and, yep. and, and Freddie Galvis. And I love yeah. I love the Freddie Galvis scoop just for clubhouse and everything like that. And my favorite part about these trades is everything you hear about these guys in the locker room. And you can already see on the field, Gibson and, and uh, Ian Kennedy, they bring more fire than any pitcher on this Philly staff. You know, they're, they're out there fist bumping after they get a big out. And that's what the fan base needs. And that's what just ties in. You know, that's what gets everyone to believe. And that's what brings people in a hobby is obviously a fiery player and i feel like so they're going for is to try and get some energy in the ball club but at the same time hobby brings expectations that are like 
that are unrealistically just unrealistic expectations. You can't Javi's so good on in the highlight reel and everything like that that most Mets fans are going to think that and think they're getting the top five shortstop, which is isn't the case at all. Yeah, and yeah, just I I just think they don't have the the glue guys. You know, I think Ronnie Torres and Travis Janikowski and and Brad Miller this year were the Phillies glue guys. That's why they're yeah. that's why they're stepping up. You know, a lot of injuries, but the Mets just don't have those guys. And and I think I think there's a just a problem in the clubhouse right right now. And it's the Mets curse. You know, I, you can put it there easily, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. And then to the point of the Braves, I think they had. I didn't want to say it at first, but I think they might have had the best headline of all of any team, mm. just in terms of value what they got for the value. They put a perfect platoon situation in their outfield. Now got guys off the bench like Adam or and Adam Duvall is going to start, but you know, guys can come off the bench any night and pop home runs, Jorge Soler, Adam Duvall, Eddie Rosario. I love what they did. They're actually, I'm actually a lot more worried about them now than I would be in the Mets. Yeah. The Braves I've been watching. I've been trying to watch all three of these teams over the past week, and I'll definitely be watching a lot of these games over the next couple of months. And I watched almost, I think I watched every game, every Braves game last week, or at least I had it on. And there were a couple of those. I remember one game where they were down, it was like four to one or maybe four to two. And they just pow, pow, a couple of home runs. And they ended up winning that game nine to four. And that I'm, I'm not even a huge power guy. Like I like contact bats. Ideally, you want a balance of both things. And I think that's what I like about this Braves lineup. And so, with Solaire and uh, yeah, I saw it was Solaire hit one, and then I think it was I can't remember who hit the other one. Uh, Rosario, Jock, oh Duvall, yes, it was Duvall. I was trying to think. I know I knew it was one of those other guys. I knew it was not Jock, and I knew it was not Eddie Rosario. So I was I was blanking on Adam Duvall. Adam Duvall came back, he had a good year last year with the Braves. Stepped up when they had that DH spot. They could put Marcelo Zuna in the DH spot. They had Duvall out there. And I mean, they're the Braves are a good team. They're they're fun to watch now with this with the, what they've done with this lineup. And let's let's not let's not forget what Austin Riley has meant to this team. Going into the season, all I was hearing from people was, "Man, that's their big question mark is Austin Riley at third base. Can he hack it?" And you know, some people wanted them to make that big splash and go get. Anthony Rendon a couple of years ago or trade for Chris Bryant. And it, it, a lot of folks thought there's a hole at third base, go out and get Arenado, get Chris Bryant, get one of these guys and just get rid of Austin Riley, sell him at his lowest value. The Braves stayed patient. They hung on to the guy. Austin Riley is looking like a guy who could play that position for them for the next 10 years. He's batting. He's batting like 290. He's got 20 homers. And I think he's been pretty good with runners on base. Yeah, Jack, he's a stud, and I hate to say it, but I was very, uh, very anti Austin Riley when he <laughs> when he first came up. He hit like what twenty something bombs in like his first sixty eighty games or something like that. He went on a tear, and then he fell off, and he couldn't lay off that slider away. And I was like, all right, this is gonna be a you know one of those guys like a Quino who comes up and just kind of <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. I thought it was gonna be like that, Jeff Rancour. Yeah, <laughs> and he's just done it he's done an amazing job at, at just developing. He's right this year. He's got better splits against righties than lefties, which for a guy who couldn't lay off the slider in his rookie year, I I'm just astounded by that. And 
I think he's uh, he's going to be one of those thorns in the Phillies side for for years to come, along with Acuna, Freeman. He's he's they needed another big time bat too. You know, they've got Albies, who Albies is a uh, Albies is a good player. He's a really good player. I don't think he has the talent at the at the plate that Austin Riley has, and or the potential, I, would, I should say. And yeah, I think he's uh he's he's someone I'm definitely worried about, Jack. <laughs> and Freddie Freeman, by the way, he w- he had a very slow start to the season. Freddie Freeman, and we'll talk Bryce. We'll talk plenty of Phillies in a second. But Freddie Freeman is going to be in that MVP conversation if he continues at this rate that he's on right now. He's back up to around 290. Uh, a lot of homers, a lot of RBIs, good OPS. I don't have all the no- I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know that he started so slow. He got back up to what we saw from him last year. Don't be surprised if Freddie Freeman takes home the hardware two years in a row if the Braves win the division. That's actually so. Yeah, so Jack, we talked about this the other day too, and I was like, I thought Freddie Freeman would have been a uh, you know top three front runner right now in terms of odds and everything. But I, uh, I checked the odds right before we hopped on, and I was surprised to see him at – he's fifth at plus 1,200 right now with – Okay, Tatis. what are the odds then? Give us the list, the top five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. here we go. So we got Tatis at uh, – Tatis is in first at minus 105, and then Bryce shooting up the boards at plus 275. <laughs> it's pretty amazing what he's done yeah. in the last month. But then you got Muncie at plus 500, Trey Turner at plus 900. And Freddie Freeman at plus twelve hundred, which I personally think Freddie Freeman should be way higher. I think he should yeah. be three on that list, and I'm surprised. And anytime you have two potential candidates from the same team, unless one of those guys is just so outstanding, those guys are going to split votes and take votes away from each other. We saw it back in 2016. Kyle Hendricks should have won the Cy Young, in my opinion, that year. And him and John Lester finished top three. They took votes away from each other. And then Max Scherzer got the East Coast vote. He won the Cy Young. So, I mean, that that would be... I would put Freddie above both of those Dodgers guys for that reason alone. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on that. Because you don't know, like, which one do you give it to? It's it's hard. Um, it's, I think, That's always the case. Yeah, I know you're right. Yeah, I think whoever ends up winning this division, if... Bryce continues on this pace. If Freeman continues on this pace like that, that really whoever, whichever team wins the division could very easily determine National League MVP this year. Yeah. And I mean, does Tatis even come back soon enough to really get a, you know, I mean, I yeah. get he's got, he got unreal numbers right now, but at the looks of it right now, it doesn't feel like he's going to come back for at least a month and then I'll catch the, you know, last three weeks of the season and, is he going to do enough in that last three weeks of the season to really, you know, cement that MVP, uh, the MVP trophy? I, I don't know. Well, keep in mind that these odds are not rankings. So these are the ways that they can trap people. In. They don't want to give, like, they don't want to drop Tatis suddenly to plus 900 and then have all these people betting Tatis because yep. they're probably already betting Tatis. So yeah, no, why not? Yeah, you're right. You're right on that. It's it's definitely a, a little pull it from Vegas here. They don't. They definitely don't want people throwing Tatis because for all we know, that man's that man's elastic. Somehow he yeah. just he always comes back sooner than his injuries say. So I I wouldn't be surprised to see him back in the field in two weeks and carry away the MVP. Yeah, and they're probably already throwing it on him. So why you don't like you you lower the odds in order to get people to vote 
or to put money on that. So if it's already yeah. coming in, then there's no reason to change it. Yeah. You get people to think that's a guaranteed bet. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. One last note here on the Braves and then, well, actually, you know what? Let's, let's talk some Phillies and we'll circle back to the Braves here. So uh, Jake, what has gone on over the past 10 days, the Phillies have won eight straight. They swept the Mets this past weekend. So again, right now, Philadelphia Phillies are in first place in the NL East. Atlanta Braves are now uh, two games back. They're actually two games above 500. They spent every up until a few nights ago, Jake, the Braves had not been above 500 this year. They finally get over 500. And I do think that there's something to it seemed like there was a mental block there. So for them to finally get over 500, I think that makes them more dangerous as well. Absolutely. They're cruising right now. They're playing great baseball. Like I said, their pickups were excellent. They got two right-handed power bats, two left-handed power bats, both, you know, great platoon guys. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely worried about them. Um, I would be a lot more worried if they had a healthy Mike Soroka, healthy Ronald Acuna and a, uh, and you know, Max Reed pitching, pitching like 20 2020 form or 2019 form even, but I don't know. I still think they have such deep pitching. They have, they're easily the you know best, uh, most de- deepest pitching in the NL East right now, even with all their injuries, really. And then you know it comes back soon. Um, like I said, Freeman. Two weeks ago, we played. Uh, we played Freddie Freeman, and it's like July twentieth or something like that. And Freddie Freeman hadn't swung and missed on a pitch yet in July, which is the most amazing stat in my eyes. At like that's like that's, a that's like a Joey Votto type stat. Seriously. And like, it's, it was unreal. And so I'm watching every Freddie Freeman at bat, just hoping, Hey, this guy's going to swing and miss once. And God, he doesn't even take, <laughs> he doesn't even anything outside just, or anything like, you know, two inches off the plate. He's, he's got such a good eye and he's a special yeah. player. And so he can catch fire. He's also a little streaky as, as you've seen this year's slow start, everything like that. But, um, he's a little banged up right now too. So, I think if the Braves stay healthy, if the Braves can, you know, keep this going, I think it's going to be a two-team race right down to the final. And yeah. uh, Phil's got three more versus the Braves, pretty sure, in Atlanta. So those are going to be crucial, <laughs> crucial ball games. What's the what's the split on those teams playing this year? Who who has the edge in terms of? Um, ooh, I want to say it's, it's. I know it's right around, right it's around pretty even. Yeah, but I want to say the Phil's might be a game up because the Phil's took a. Okay. Uh, yeah, the Phils took the early. Phils took it early in the season. I know they they won three or four at home to start the season. But yeah, so it's definitely it's definitely close. And Jack, that's going to end up playing a huge part. I guarantee this comes within two three games down to so the wire last we, week of the season. Are we out on the Mets at this point? I mean, they're two and a half games back, seven games back the wild card. Are we just expecting to Mets the Mets to Met? It's it's a it's a verb. The Mets will met. That's what Jordan said when we did our NL East previews. Like, will the Mets met? The Mets are metting right now. Are the Mets? Are we crossing them off, or do we need to wait a couple more weeks? Are we just? I mean, I guess I, I guess I should say we should wait a few more weeks to officially cross them off. But I think you and I are expecting that in a few weeks we'll be crossing them off. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that, and it's tough not to try and write them off right now because you know Javi's getting an MRI today could be a lot worse than people expect. 
Jacob DeGrom still doesn't even have a timetable. Um, the lineup is terrible. Conforto's having a terrible year, or terrible right now. Conforto's having a terrible year. Pete Alonzo was hot for like two weeks and is back to struggling again. And it's, 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 I mean, they have plenty of talent. They have plenty of talent in that clubhouse where they could come out and win eight in a row. We saw that last year or the year before. I know the Mets were sitting right around 500 and made a last second push. So they're a team that can get hot, but I think it's going to take a healthy Jacob to ground for them to be a legitimate force in September. Yes. So the Phillies sweep the Mets this past weekend. They mm-hmm. they were entering the weekend. The Mets were in first place. They're now two and a half games back. Braves two games out. The Phillies are in first place and the Phillies have the easiest schedule of all these teams. They've won eight in a row. I know you're feeling great right now, Jake. You're on cloud nine. Oh, Jack. Couldn't have said any better. The Phil's uh, <laughs> 30 of their last 44 games are versus teams with a below 500 record. So it's a cakewalk in September for a team who's just notoriously collapsed in September, which is good omen. They've got Kyle Gibson. They needed another starter. Kyle Gibson has been great in his two starts here. They need another bullpen piece so they can move Ranger Suarez to the to the rotation, and that's looked great too. He's he's delivered five or six really good innings in his uh, in his first two starts out of the coming back from the bullpen. And I think, you know, with, with what this team's got right now, I'm really excited. Um, couldn't say that a week, eight days ago or something like that. They were coming <laughs> off two straight losses to the pirates. And uh, I think four and a half or five and a half back and then go on this eight game win streak. And it's crazy how it's crazy. how just, you know, your fortune can change and all the hopes can change within the matter of a week. You know, that's why I was telling my roommates, actually, this is why I love baseball so much is, <laughs> It's so week to week, you can just anything can happen, and uh, and with the Phils, Jack, I just this is about as this is as exciting as it's been for a Phils fan since 2011 at least. Woo. Okay, so what have you seen over the past couple weeks that's felt and looks so different? Why are why are they winning now? What's changed? Well, it starts with uh, with number three, right in the heart of that lineup. He's batting like. 400 or something over the in the past month he's doing absurd things i mean we talked about earlier he was it wasn't even an mvp consideration about a month or two ago and now he's you know plus 275 he's second so it starts with him um but then it comes with you know alec bohm finally finding his footing he's finally uh turned it around he's batting like three above 300 in the past month or two about a month and a half um dd's finally picking it back up dd started off terrible and he hasn't been you know Hasn't been too good, but he's he's homered like two or three times in the past week, and he's finding his footing too. Defensively, he's been brutal, but uh, hopefully that turns around. And then, uh, you know, Hoskins turned on. It's the Stars. It's the Stars playing like Stars, and then even Aaron Nolan not pitching well, but we're still uh, we still finding a way to win ball games when he's in the hill. And, uh, and, I mean, like I said, Jack, I think just at the end of the day, it comes down to the glue guys like Ronnie Torres, Travis Jankowski and Brad Miller. I give, I've been as hard on Joe Girardi as, <laughs> as almost anyone because I was a Gabe Kapler fan. I was a little little upset when Gabe uh, Gabe got ran out of town, and I see Joe doing the same exact things. So obviously I'm going to be tough on him, but I give so much credit to that man for building a, a culture and a bench. And uh, you know this is something that building a culture does not take a half a season. It's not you can't build a culture in a 60 game season, and that was the first one. 
And uh, I think that's just one thing he's done an excellent job of here is building a player-friendly culture. These guys obviously are having fun out there. They want to show up to work every day and grind. And I think that starts with Joe Girardi. I'm not going to say I like his uh, managing, his bullpen managing, but that's there's so much more to being a being a big league manager than you know the X's and O's of it. And and I think it, like I said, it's it's his guy Ronnie Torres. He brought over Ronnie Torres. He got Travis Jankowski in the lineup on, on a regular basis. Got him going. I give credit to Joe Girardi. I give credit to everyone. It's a team effort, but you know I was tough on him, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I was curious about that because you you definitely have been very critical this year. I see your text messages all the time. And is it is your main thing with in-game decision making or is there anything beyond that that you you have been critical of Joe for? Yeah, so I've always I just want uh I want a philosophy I want my team to have a philosophy, you know, like the Rays or like, hey, these small market clubs, it seems like they've got like, they, they know what they're doing. They're making moves. Yeah. And identity. Making, yeah, and identity, exactly. And I just, I feel like Joe hasn't, you know, created any type of identity. He'll go, he'll pitch some Kyle Gibson, his first start versus the Pirates were up like 10 runs at one point. And he goes, Kyle Gibson, like 108 pitches or something like that when it was like 10 more pitches than he's ever gone um this season and i was like okay why are you doing that and then ranger suarez he pulls him after 33 pitches after three no hit innings so it's like i it's like one of those things where i'm you know i get annoyed at just uh like joe in the in, in the pre in the postgame pressers he'll say better be safe than sorry but that's not what i've seen from a lot of the field and so it's the in-game decisions that i'm that i'm uh you know getting frustrated about it's how he manages the bullpen I think that's the biggest thing. But at the end of the day, Jack, I, I'm not a, I'm not managing that team. Joe Girardi's managing that team for a reason. He's, he's paid the big bucks for a reason. And uh, you got to trust him, and he's been doing a great job. I, I don't like his bullpen decisions, but they've paid off recently, and that's all you can ask for. So yeah. I've been tough on him, like I said, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And, uh, and I think I might be back in on the Joe Girardi trade. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jake, I think what's great is that um, you have the ability to change your opinion on things. I think that's a valuable trait for people to have because we can tend to be too stubborn where we think mm-hmm. like, oh, I had this take and I'm going to I'm going to ride with this thing to the death of it. And um, so I think the ability to change your mind on a topic and be open minded, that's a good thing. So I applaud Ab- you for that. Absolutely. I appreciate that, too, Jack. That actually is uh, something you know I try to try to keep ingrained in my and my philosophies of yeah. Colin, Colin Coward always says it. He says, when you get new information, you're entitled to a change in opinion. And yeah, I, and couldn't say any better than that. I, I got new information on Joe and he's, he, he only got a 60 game season last year and it's a refresh, you know, it can't be, I was really tough on him, but at the end of the day, you got to look at, you know, the situation he's in, the guys weren't playing for him either. It's not his fault that guys are just blowing up a bullpen. So I'm back in Jack. <laughs> <laughs> So I've been, I think I've been fairly consistent with this type of thesis and I don't think I've really verbalized it in this regard, but I think it's mainly, I try not to be too hard on managers for in-game decisions in a 162 game season 
especially when it's a small sample size. If you're looking at, man, this guy's been managing this club for five years, and these are the same things he's been doing for five years, and this is why we're not winning, Like, I, I get on board with that. But I think that over the course of 162, there are going to be games where, yeah, you make the wrong decision. There are also going to be games where you make the right decision. I think typically a good team writes its ship, and I think the, the greater value to a manager in the regular season. And again, this we're not talking postseason here, but regular season, managing culture, getting guys to buy in, and putting your your players in the best position to succeed. And I, I look at two, man, two veteran managers who uh, I know Philly was very extremely critical of Joe Girardi. Um, and the, the entire national baseball media and fans extremely critical of Tony Larusa, And these are two guys that a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not, I'm concerned about these guys. I'm like, listen, I'm not concerned about these guys because at every stop in their careers, they've shown that they've been able to put players in the best position to succeed. Oftentimes there were guys who played on the Yankees for Joe Girardi. Look, Starlin Castro, Didi Gregorius had his best years when he was playing for Joe Girardi. And I think, there is like I do think that managers can build guys up. They can also put guys in bad positions where they might not succeed. Um, and I guess the your mean Mercedes topic is a conversation for another time because that's <laughs> that's like you know I I I was um, tweeting with Ben Verlander. I don't know if you saw that we were uh, we had a friendly disagreement on this topic about your mean Mercedes. I don't know if you saw that. No, yeah, fill me in here. <laughs> um. So Ben, I I don't know him personally. And I honestly, I think he's pretty new to this podcast thing. He has a podcast um, with Fox Sports. He's a baseball analyst. And yeah, honestly, I hadn't been super familiar with him. But he he had a video where he was talking about Yermin Mercedes and how Tony La Russa basically killed the guy's career was the thesis of it. And he said, well, because since the day that that whole thing happened, you're me, Mercedes is batting 160. And I, I tweeted back and I said, Hey, man, you're me, Mercedes for the first four weeks of the season was otherworldly. He was batting 460. But then after those four weeks, like that, that trend began a month before that thing happened with Larusa. You're me, Mercedes was set to regress. He was batting in the time between, like, you could take from. You could say, well, he's batting 160 from that day. Or you could take since um, April 28th, which is a month earlier, you could say he's been batting 170 since that day. Like it's not, it wasn't this one turning point in his season when Tony LaRusa, that whole thing transpired. And my whole point was like, look, this is a guy who's 28 years old, career minor leaguer, was a great story in the first half. But like you said, there are these guys like Aristides Aquino who come up, they have their hot, their hot, you know, start. They come in. It's a fun party. And then the league figures out how to pitch them. And it, it just doesn't continue. And that's what I think your mean Mercedes was. Absolutely. That's a great point too. Just in terms of like the manager kind of, you know, knowing a little bit more than the player even. So Tony Lewis has been around the game forever. And he knows this happens. He knows a guy comes up out of the minor leagues and just rakes for two months. But he also knows that his team is loaded with bats. And 
they needed him at the time, but they don't need him now, and they didn't need him after that. They need, you know, they, they've got too many guys in that that can go in that DH slot, and Yerman doesn't really have a position. So it's I, I'm with you on this side. I don't think it's Tony La Russa who ruined him. I think he might have hit his, you know, hit, hurt his confidence a little bit there. But at the same time, we were so due for that regression. Baseball is a game of just trends, you know. I, eventually, you got to look at the back of the baseball card stats and just, you know, expect this guy to regress or, you know, progress to the mean. And it's like, uh, you know, it's like Bryce Harper, like, struggling, com- coming off to a really bad start in 2019. And I was, Philly fans around him super hard. And I'm like, all right, just relax. The guy's a streaky guy. He's going to have, you know, big time second half because of obviously – just um, that we're regressing back to the mean and everything. And, and it's just, that's how baseball goes, Jack. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, I totally believe that Tony Larusa has the power to do that. I just don't think that that's what happened in that particular case. And if you want to follow that logic of like a manager has the potential to tear a guy down and ruin his confidence, then be consistent with that idea and say that he also has the opportunity to build guys confidence. And, Sometimes player success is in part to a manager putting them in the best position to succeed. So why aren't we giving Tony Larusa any credit for some of the contributions that they've gotten from unlikely guys on this team? I mean, look at Carlos Rodon. Look at uh, Lance. Lin- I mean, Lance Lynn's a great pitcher. It's not. We keep, I wouldn't credit Tony Larusa for what Lance Lynn is doing, but they had a good working relationship in St. Louis, and now they're back together, and it's working well again. Look at, I mean, Billy Hamilton has given him something. Uh, Goodwin has given him something. You're you could give Tony credit for your means hot start too. Uh, if you're gonna follow that logic, be consistent with it. Just don't like. I don't want to hear you say like, oh yeah, well he's he's the he's he's horrible. And he did this thing wrong, but oh yeah, because I heard this for so long, and I think people have kind of shut. They've finally started to stop talking about it. And by the way, we're gonna come back to Joe Girardi on this topic in a second. We will. But <laughs> the thing is, is like for so long, it's like oh yeah, Tony's awful. He the the team is he's losing the locker room. And what's happened since then? The team's winning, and they're running away with the division. They're a good team. Like I think Tony's done a great job. I think the best that's that's a mark of a great manager is like, yeah, you know what? Tony might make a decision where he wants to bunt in a game and maybe it's not the most optimal decision from the win the game. But I still think that over the course of 162, he's going to make more good decisions than he is going to make bad decisions. Absolutely. And with a manager, with any manager in general, like you can only you can only judge him based off you can't really read the intangibles. You can't really judge him based off how he controls the clubhouse and everything, but you can, you can judge him based off of his in-game decisions, which is most what most people do. But at the same time, your in-game decisions are only if they're right or wrong. It's, it's a yeah. bad decision. It, it could be a great decision until it until it backfires, and that's a terrible decision, and that's how you're judged. And so that's why like Joe Girardi got so much heat is because he just feels like he was cl- like pushing all the wrong buttons. And that's just bad luck at a time, you know. Eventually, guys are going to come back and and guys are going to play for him and everything. And that's why that's why I like Joe Girardi. He's gotten guys that you wouldn't expect to step up to step up. Yeah. And he's, you know, it. Everything I hear from inside the clubhouse is they've got Joe's back, and I think that's yeah. a, just a huge determiner in how good a manager is. What his guys I, say about him, you know. I mean, Bryce Harper. 
I remember at spring training last year before the season, there was an interview on MLB Network, and he was like, I'm all in on Joe. Like, I love Joe. I'm all in. I, I cannot wait to play for this guy. And I don't know if the same level of enthusiasm existed with Gabe Kapler. Maybe it did. We just didn't hear about it. And with Bryce, I mean, look, here's something I'll say about Bryce Harper. Great talent. He's had a heck of a career. He could be a Hall of Famer someday. But if you look at it, he had one great season in 2015. He was on pace for another one in 2017 before he had the knee injury. And then from 18 and 19, those two years, it's like, you know what? He's still a really good player. He's not an MVP caliber player. He's a good player. Mm-hmm. If you take what he did from last year to this year, now you're looking at about a full season between the last two years. It's back to one of the elite players in this league, which is what Bryce Harper is at his best. Joe Girardi, maybe Joe's putting him in a good maybe maybe he's happy he likes playing for Joe Girardi like we talked about. Maybe Joe is putting him in a good position to succeed. Now, I mean, ultimately Bryce should get the most credit because he's the guy out there playing. But I mean, Zach Wheeler's is Zach Wheeler's having the best year of his career right now. I think that Joe Girardi, that that's the that's the greatness of Joe Girardi, is I do think he is able to get the most and the best out of his players. Yep. And I think that's what we're starting to see here. I think I think there is a little, you know, little indicators of that even during the struggles. Ronnie Torrey, everyone it's been a tough year in terms of injuries, really tough. But uh, every team around baseball is dealing with that. And so you're going to have to have guys step up. And Ronnie Torres is Joe's guy. He, Joe's the only reason he's here. And he's a guy who's just been an absolute, like, he's top 10 most valuable players on this team without even starting every day. And and that's a guy that Joe Girardi just gets to play up to the level every day. It's a, like, you know, come to the ballpark every day with, a, with intensity. And it's just, it's showing up. Joe is just essentially, you know, he he's building his uh he's building his reputation around Philly and just winning and at at the end of the day it's gonna depend on if he wins or not. But I really yeah. think this city is just buying back on him slowly and and it's a lot of the in game decisions that he's you know pushed the wrong button. But it's a lot of bad luck too. You know he hasn't had great personnel and he's got a terrible terrible defense. The Phillies are a horrible <laughs> defensive club and Joe Girardi somehow gets uh gets slack for that which. I don't really agree with any of that defensive stuff, you know, but that, everyone's going to blame the manager. You know, you got to find a yeah. scapegoat when, when times are tough. Yeah. It is funny to be, to go from blaming one manager to then pu- bl- putting blame on the next manager. Like, yeah, maybe there's something above that. That's making these decisions. Maybe <laughs> it can't be the manager, but Hey, whatever. So, okay. I got one more thing on this NLE. So then I want to jump around a few other things before we wrap up. So, the Phillies, again, they're in first place. Now, here's the one thing I think is a really interesting thing to note. The Phillies and every other team in the NL East, except the Atlanta Braves, negative run differential. The Braves are at a plus 65 run differential. Some people have a theory. I know Brian Kenny's big on this, and I'm kind of like, hey, you know, maybe there's something to this idea is run differential predicts future performance. Is that something that you would be concerned about with the Braves coming up on your tails, Jake? Um, to an extent, yes. I But 
but I have I've watched a lot of Brave games, Braves games this year, and they're such an explosive offense that they win so many ball games. You know, they they end up getting to position players so much more often than the Phillies, and I'm sure Braves have had you know probably twenty something runs scored off position players this year. Like I would that that'd be my guess, and I just can't even really remember a time when the Phillies actually I guess versus the Cubs and a couple weeks ago they or uh, Eric Sogard gave a bomb to Hoskins <laughs> and Bohm. But uh but at the end of the day, like I think I think I think it's just a number deck. I'm not really a big run differential guy. I think mid season you can kind of tell, you know, the Mariners are a team that follows suit right there with run differential and everything. But I think it's just I think it's right now who's hot, who's not, who's healthy, who's who's not. I think that's those are gonna be a lot more important things than uh than run differential right there. And like I said, the Braves have it's it's kind of a skewed stat now with all these position players coming into ten two ball games, you know. Yeah, I I totally I do agree with your assessment on that. I mean, I think I I I think there's value to it, but I don't I don't think it's an end all bl kind of thing because mm-hmm. I remember seeing that with the Cubs a couple of years ago where they I think it was the year they missed the playoffs and they had it was either eighteen or nineteen. I think it was nineteen. They had like a plus one hundred run differential and they missed the playoffs and it was like. Because in those games, they wouldn't just win three to one. They would put up 15 and they just keep piling, you know, just it was it was runs that would come in non-clutch situations. And it's like big deal. Those are not as important as when it's a close game and you just scored those runs. Okay, so the one thing that I think is interesting, the big difference, there's not a huge difference between the Phillies and the Braves in terms of offense runs scored so the Braves have scored 20 more runs runs allowed however the Braves have allowed 50 fewer runs so I I would guess that that would probably be indicative of bullpen performance Jake absolutely I mean the Phil's bullpen uh, and there's been stretches the Phil's bullpen start off really great and um that was when they were full healthy too there's a lot of new guys coming in it's magic and then just injury by injury, it started getting really bad, starting getting back to 2024 where they had the worst of all time. And uh, and since then, it's been, you know, guys like Ranger Suarez, Bailey Falter, these guys that coming up from AAA and actually really shining. And uh, and right now, the bullpen's pitching really well. But um, but you're right, dude. I mean, it's it's, it's definitely the bullpen, perform- bullpen performance. And I think that's what's going to end up, you know, making a making the biggest difference on stretchers. The Phillies and Braves both have great lineups. They're both gonna bash. Both got good pitching staffs, you know. Phillies have Phillies have the ace. Braves don't really have a true ace right now with Soroka yeah. out and, and Fareed not pitching too well. But I think it's gonna come down to bullpen because Braves are a team that, you know, they, they really need their they they're a team in the last three years at least that's have had a great bullpen. That's what's gotten them there. And this year, you know, blew a uh, three Three nothing lead, I think, to the Nats the other night in the ninth, and and uh, or no, yeah, three one lead to the Nats in the ninth, and uh, almost blew another lead to the Nats, I think, last night, and so that's 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 the big defining factor here is what I'm, you know, I'm hoping that these Braves closers can't really shut it down because that's gonna end <laughs> up uh, costing them ball games, and at this point, every single W matters, you know, it could be a one game difference come uh, come October second or third or whatever it is. 
Well, we have a heck of a race in the NL East here, and it's looking like we're trimming the fat, and we're going to have a two-team race here over the next six weeks. I expect it to be close. Should be a lot of fun. All right, anything else you wanted to add on the Phillies before we move over to some of these other teams? I think I talked uh, talked plenty of Phils today, Jack. I appreciate <laughs> you uh, setting me up for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's you're the guy to talk to today, so this is perfect. Perfect timing. Great to have you here at this time. Okay, so some other things to note. The Cincinnati Reds are playing some great baseball right now. They've won uh, eight of their last ten. They've had now they had a stretch like this earlier in the year where they went nine and two. They've now gone eight and two over the last ten. They've won five straight. If only, man, I, I really wish the Reds had not gotten swept right out of the All Star break. Because that division, the NL Central race, would be like what we're seeing in the NL East right now. You'd have two teams that are neck and neck. They're not neck and neck, but the the Reds are closing the gap a little bit. They're five games out. Interesting week right now. The Reds are playing the Indians. The Brewers are playing the Cubs. So the Brewers are going get to some, get some more wins here. I don't know when these teams meet next, but I mean, hey. The, Red, the Reds are playing some good baseball right now, Jake. Reds are playing great baseball, Jack. They come to come to the bank this weekend, and the Phils are gonna. Phils got the Dodgers and the Reds, so it's gonna be an interesting week. But uh, the Reds are, I think. So I know this isn't a betting pod, but I would actually <laughs> right, right now I'd tell any listener right now to go throw a couple bucks down on the Reds to win the division because mm. I, I think with what they're doing, with the Brewers are doing with their three aces right now, they're pulling all their innings back, which they're still winning ball games, but you know, I think that's gonna catch up to him real soon. And then Hayter out, um, Devin Williams, pitching better, pitching better, but the bullpen's not as good as it has been in recent years, especially with Josh Hader out right now. And then Jack, do you look at that offense and think that's a you know, seven games up in the division offense? <laughs> Certainly not. Especially without Christian Yelich doing Christian yeah. Yelich things, like I, I just ex- I expect their luck to run out. But I mean, Willie Adamas has been their MVP. I know Willie. Who Adamas. would have had that going into the season? Willie Adamas could be a legitimate NL MVP candidate. No yeah, one would have. And I like Willie Adamas, but I mean, we didn't think he'd get traded. We didn't think he'd come over the Brewers, and I mean, he's been their best player. He really has, and I mean that's. Jack, this is a great point with managers. Is Craig Council is my favorite manager in all of baseball, and he's great. Every single year, I feel like he just gets the best out of everyone. It, some of yeah. those in-game decisions I hear Brewers fans complain about, but it's, it's exactly what we talked about. Like Craig gets these guys to show up, and he obviously can manage a good bullpen. He's had a great bullpen the last three years or so, and I just think that. He's one of those managers that, that pushes the right buttons in terms of lineups and gets guys to you know play out of their minds and and they're a team that I I'm worried about to uh, worry about the Phils playing with that one two three in the playoffs. But at the same time, if we look at the playoff the NL playoffs right now, they're the team I want because mm-hmm. just because they don't have the star power in the lineup and Christian Yelich isn't doing Christian Yelich things so until he does. I'm not too worried about them. And I think the Reds are actually a little bit more of a scary team right now. Well, I'll tell you another team that I am a little concerned for their for their own uh, well-being. And that's the San Diego Padres. Because 
Here's why. And now the Padres do have a lot of easy gains coming up. So that that makes me a little less concerned. But the Reds are only two and a half games back of the wild card now. And if the Reds can continue playing well, I mean, Padres lose Tatis. And there are a lot of questions about that Padres pitching staff. I thought the Padres should have been a little more aggressive at the deadline. They mm-hmm. got Frazier. I think they also, again, I, I like you said, why the Braves deadline was so good is they, they picked up a number of players instead of putting them all, put it going all in, giving up a big prospect or a big haul for one player, or two players. They got five guys that are key contributors for them. The, the Padres don't really need that offensively. They have so much depth in their uh, in terms of position players. Uh, Kim is going to slide in there at shortstop, and he's really good defensively at short. They got Cronenworth. They got Frazier, Machado, uh, Hosmer. It's, they got depth. But in terms of pitching, I mean, man, if they were able to – if they were able to pull the trigger and close the deal on that Max Scherzer trade, if they were able to bring Craig Kimbrell back to San Diego, if they were able to get some of those guys, or even just get again, maybe maybe it's just a couple more bullpen arms. Maybe it's just a bring back Zach Davies. I, I like Zach Davies a lot. I'm clearly a big <laughs> Zach Davies guy, even, even though he's not. He hasn't pitched well over his last two or three starts. That's what I think. I I, I will say that I am. I could see out of these three teams in the NL West. I give the Padres the highest likelihood of potentially losing their playoff spot. Now they are the team that has the fewest wins out of that bunch. So I guess that makes it a little easier to say. Yeah, but I'm with you on that hundred percent. I think the trade deadline for them was just kind of a shot at the clubhouse. Um, and obviously AJ Preller is not trying to do that. And he's obviously trying to go out and get Max Scherzer and everything. But the, when the, you can't let the Dodgers get him. And I get that, that, Kybert Ruiz and Josiah great package was tough to beat, but the Padres could have beat it. And I remember in 2017 when uh when the Astros didn't go out and get get anyone at the deadline, Dallas Keuchel. I remember an interview from him and he was furious. He was like, "Why are they not adding? Why are they not help out his team?" And then they went uh they went out and got uh Justin Verlander in the waiver trade deadline or whatever, and they ended up you know winning the World Series. But it's it's one of those things where obviously everyone in the clubhouse is frustrated that they didn't go out and add to the team and add another, you know, front end starter. And especially makes you even, you couldn't imagine how frustrated they're being. They could be knowing that their rivals got Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. And then Chris Bryant, like the big yeah. fishes all went to their, all went to their rivals. And so like, I don't know, that's, that's tough for, to be a Padres fan yeah. and to just be, to be in that clubhouse knowing that, all right, AJ doesn't, uh, doesn't believe in us as much as, He's, like it, that kind of says you're scared of the Dodgers. You're gonna let the Dodgers take this one, you know. And I get it. I get it from Major Major Preller's perspective. You're six games back in the division. The Giants are playing out of their mind, and you're you know in third place. So don't go at a you know front end uh, rental. But still, Jack, I think it. I think that was a big blow to the clubhouse, and I couldn't agree more. I think the Padres are in in, uh, in danger right now. If Tatis doesn't come back soon, then they're just gonna start losing. You know, the air is gonna come come out of that balloon and and we might see them. We might see the Reds hop up on it. Anything can happen now. I think part of the thing with the Padres and similar with the Phillies, it's like you've made all the moves up to this point to be all in. So you got to, you got to commit to it. 
to a certain degree. Like you, you can't really go back now. Absolutely. That's why everyone is in Philly has been so frustrated. Um, you know, even the past, the past year or two, we've had a chance and everything like that. And we're spending, we're going right for the luxury tax and an ownership doesn't want to go over the luxury tax to get better. And, and that's, it doesn't really make sense. And it's like, you paid all this money to put a good team out there when a good team can be great with a few additions. Why not go do that? You already spent the money. I do. I will say that to clarify myself a little bit, uh, that I loved what the Braves did because it fit well for them. And I think that what the Padre, the Padres and maybe some of these other teams, the Mets, they could have, they have multiple places that they could have filled, uh, that they could have improved with the, with the giants. I loved what they did by just picking up one guy because they only, they yeah. only really needed to have one guy. And he's a, he plays multiple positions too. I thought that pickup was awesome and they need a star that they can resign and build around for the yeah. next five, 10 years. And that's going to be Chris Bryant. I actually, I thought that might've been, I thought the Braves had the, obviously the Dodgers had the best traded line, whatever, but I thought the giants and the Braves in terms of what they did and, and what the Braves did was they added two guys. They added Richard Rodriguez and I think Adam Duvall after th- after the trade deadline had ended. You know how they've got like that 30-minute grace period? So that gave – so the Braves doing that, adding those last-minute additions, gave the Phillies and Mets no time to really counter. So I thought that was a really you know a strategic move too because the Phillies and the Mets probably thought the Braves were going to stay put and not really go all in for it, and they kind of did. Yeah, so – I, lo- I love what the Giants did. They got, uh, I mean, they, they have a star. I mean, we'll see if they're able to re-sign them. We'll, we'll see about that. Uh, we have no idea where Chris will wind up. Maybe he'll fall in love with the Bay. But, I mean, I, I love what the Giants have done this year. And uh, your boy Gabe has been, uh, he's had a <laughs> heck of a year. He's probably going to be the NL manager of the year. Yeah, he's run away with that. I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm so happy for him. And it's nice because... I got a lot of slack and for from Phillies fans and you know the Griffin Jordan or not Griff but Jordan Khan those <laughs> those those guys never ever wanted to admit that Gabe wasn't the problem and we're finally starting to see that that, well, that think, he wasn't he wasn't the problem. I'll say one thing: I don't think Gabe was the right manager for the Phillies, and I yeah. think that Joe Girardi is, and this is a better fit. For Gabe Kapler, I I questioned it at the time. I not a huge Gabe Kapler guy, and I got to give him his props for what this team has done this year. But I guess I had overlooked the fact that him and Farhan Zaidi go back and they had worked together before. And there's a good partnership between those two guys, and I think that's part of why it works so well. There wasn't that in Philly. He was kind of out of place there. He wasn't someone that you just kind of put in front of the Philly fans. It, it was a bad. It was a bad fit, I believe, and yeah. I think this is a much better fit. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. He had no track record coming in, and you can't bring a guy with no track record into Philadelphia. It's <laughs> it's a tough, hard nose. You know they they're going to get on anyone, anyone and everyone in that city, and you know passionate fans. And Gabe's exactly where he needs to be. I th- he's a progressive manager. He's he's forward thinking. He's he's got new philosophies that people in Philly would not uh, you know adapt to and have open minds to. And out in, out in the Bay Area, they've got he's doing everything that that 
you know they want him to do out there. He's he's got exactly the team I think he wants to. He's got he runs a nice platoon out there. He's he's really gotten everything out of their pitching staff, which the pitching staff out there is you know topic for other time, Jack. <laughs> Okay, Jake, a few more things. Let's look over at the American League. Uh, The Boston Red Sox, about 10 days ago, they had a a two-and-a-half game lead with over the Tampa Bay Rays with a series at the Trop. The Rays run through. They sweep that series. They won all three games. And a week later now, the Rays have a four-game lead over the Red Sox. I don't see the Rays relinquishing this lead. I think four games, especially that big of a swing at this point in the season. Uh, the the Red Sox have not been getting quality starts from their pitching staff lately. I think I talked about this last week with Albert, and we sort of agreed that the Red Sox were not expecting to be in this position, so they didn't go all in at the deadline. They didn't really mortgage the future. And this is a team that's going to be around for a, for a, a, at least a few years coming up. They're going to mm-hmm. keep hitting. Um, but I, I do think the Red Sox are falling out of this thing. And in fact, I, I know that they're seven games out, but I really like the Blue Jays as the ultimate second place team in this division. Jack, I actually couldn't agree more. I uh, <laughs> I threw a threw a nice little just couple bucks down on the on the Blue Jays. They were like plus a thousand <laughs> to win the division at the All Star break, and I was like, they had they have they've got like a hundred uh, plus hundred run differential. I love yeah. the team. I love the team. In oh, general. so you are the run differential guy? Yeah, I was actually. I, I, I forgot <laughs> to br- I read to bring this up, but they're such a similar team to the Braves. Besides pitching, obviously pitching aside, but that lineup just bashes. So they're yeah. just scoring so many runs. They've they've faced off against uh, position players so many times this year. So it's another one of those things where run differential might not mean too much. But they're a team that's going to be so good for so many years. And to your point about the Red Sox, is is Hein Bloom knows what he's doing, and he knew that you know if they didn't come into this season thinking World Series are bust, and if that was the case, then Mookie Betts would still be in town. Mookie Betts, they traded him. They're going through a nice two year, two three year reload. And it's not the time to, they don't have a deep farm system. So it's not the time to, you know, trade Tristan Casas and all these guys who are, you know, blossoming in their farm. It's not the time to trade them for, for rentals or, you know, one to two years control guys, especially with Chris Sale coming back. Cause that's, you know, we've heard that that's the best deadline acquisition that, you know, they could make. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Absolutely. And the Yankees have been playing some great baseball, but, Anthony Rizzo just tested positive for COVID, so we're not going to see him for a couple weeks. Uh, prayers for Anthony Rizzo. He is a cancer survivor. Um, personally, I think he's going to be all right. Anthony Rizzo is a fighter. He's uh, he, I, he he's going to be good. Anthony's going to be good. On a baseball note, this is the wrong time to, leave, to lose Anthony Rizzo. He came in, injected a lot of life into the team. Mm-hmm. He was playing great. And I think this next two weeks or however long it is that they're without Rizzo is going to be sink or swim for the Yankees. That's it's, it's really a, a critical stretch for this team. Yep. And especially with G Cole already out too. And, and Chapman just hit the, hit the IL and everything. And it's, they're a team that, uh, you know, they're going to need some good luck about their way here. Cause we're what, like six games out or something like that. And, I don't know. Obviously, Jack, I'm not uh, not rooting for the Yanks to win that division, <laughs> but uh, 
don't know. I, I'd like I'd like to see the Blue Jays. I already told you how much I love that team, but I think they got a real chance at it too. Only seven back. They're playing great baseball right now. It came at seven. They're down five runs to the Red Sox last night, and ended up coming back. And their team, I'm I'm really excited about for not just this year, but years to come. We'll take a look over at the AL West and the A's. Oakland A's are playing some great baseball since they brought on some reinforcements. Starling Marte, Josh Harrison, to name a couple. I mean, they they really are going in on this year by trading Jesus Lazardo. And uh, I, I like that. I actually do like that move for both teams because I think it's a good change of scenery. The Marlins have had a good jo- have done a good job of developing young arms, and they've done so- something good with their pitching coaches. I like what they did there. The A's are playing really good baseball. The A's have been in the shadow of the Astros all year. It's like the way that this thing's been covered you'd think that the Astros are running away with the AL West like the White Sox are running away with the AL Central. Astros have a two-game lead in the AL West. This is actually one of the better races in baseball right now. And that's not even talking about the fact that you have two other teams in this division that are 500 or better. Yeah, absolutely. And right now, look at the trajectory of each team that... Astros are playing some pretty bad baseball. I think they've lost yeah. like five of their last six or something like that, maybe four of the last six. But Carlos Correa is not producing really at all. A um, couple of guys in the IL. And then the A's, like like you said, it's kind of how they're talked about right now. Everyone's talking about Ramon Laureano done and how much of a loss yeah. that is. That's loss a, that is to by that the team. way, to note that for those who missed it, Ramon Laureano suspended 80 games PED usage. Yep, and that's that's a blow for him. I mean, aside from the from the stats, he's had a great year behind the plate this year or at the plate this year. But he's such an important guy, and you're out in the field. And well, now Jake, now it makes sense how he can throw a baseball so far. <laughs> yeah, seriously, <laughs> he's got that arm. Uh, I'm hoping that arm is is, is not from the steroids because that's that's a treasure. <laughs> Maybe Jake, is it possible? that he was taking something so that he could stand his ground the next time there's a dust up with the Astros. He wanted to <laughs> kick the crap out of somebody. Yeah. He wanted to be prepared. <laughs> uh, wouldn't be surprised, Jack. He wants that. Uh, he wants to take on Alex Cintron. That Astros. Hitting <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. um, A's are playing some good baseball. Mariners still hanging in there. They're, uh, Let's see, five and a half games out of the wild card. So, I mean, look, the the Mariners are right now, their trajectory is looking like they're going to be maybe like an 86-win team that misses the playoffs. I mean, that's a great spot for the Mariners going into 2022 with all those young prospects and not having – they didn't have to trade anybody really in some of these – they didn't really go all in this year. Yeah, and I, I, so they got a lot of heat. Jerry Poto got a ton of heat at the deadline for trading away Kendall Graveman, you know, the clubhouse issues, blah, blah. But that stuff blows over. Jerry Poto is a great GM, and he knows that, you know, Kendall Graveman's going to walk in free agency this year. You've got two more months left of him. Why keep him around to try and, you know, to try and get the wild card? Just not a smart decision. Jerry even said in his presser, he said, this is what we do. This is like, you know, we're, we're building for the future. 
Abraham Toro is a guy that I'm I'm so high on. I think he's an awesome. I was texting with one of my Mariners fan Mariners fan friends, and he was so upset and everything like that. I just tried telling him, "Hey, Abe Toro, he's a dog. He's gonna be, <laughs> he's gonna be like a. Uh, he's like he reminds me of a little bit of Ben Zobrist. He can kind of play all over. He's a nice, you know, just a nice piece to have, and he's a great contact hitter. So I think that deal. I think the what the Mariners did, and then what they have coming up with Julio Rodriguez, Jared Kalanick, and Logan uh, Logan Gilbert, all these guys, the Coochies, kind of blown up this year. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Great. So yeah, the Mariners and the and the Tigers, Jack. Those are my two uh, my two sleepers <laughs> for next year. <laughs> Your sleeper for this year is hanging in there at five hundred. You had the LA Angels winning the AL West. Yeah, that's where Jake was wrong. We talked about yeah. <laughs> where Jake was right, but in Jake's defense, I had the Angels as I thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the American League. So they ended up being an average between the two of us, and they ended up being maybe the most average team in baseball, fifty-six and fifty-six at this point. Yep, and hey, who can uh, who can account for Mike Trout getting hurt? I mean, I expected I expected <laughs> yeah. big things from Otani. Never expected this. I I expected this a little bit from. I expected this at the plate, not to this extent. But I didn't expect him to be going out there every six day, every sixth day, and dominating for six innings too. You know, that's as impressive as anything he's done behind the plate, in my opinion. And I I don't know I. I I'm disappointed in them. Very disappointed. I'm, I'm glad they're at like 500. I'm glad they're, you know, Shohei has had MVPCs and everything. But realistically, Jack, what are they, what's in the store next year? Because who, who, they they should, Rendon is a big waste. Like, I hate to say it because, yeah. you know, hindsight's 2020, but they needed to go sign some pitching. Zach Wheeler was yeah. right in their grabs, you know, they could yeah they could have saved 100 mil and signed Zach Wheeler and they were all in on G. Cole. They weren't even in on Wheeler at all. So, I don't know, man. I mean, I just I think that's uh, it, the Angels are just wasting the two most exciting players in baseball, and or not exciting, but the two arguably the best players in baseball right now are on one team that's probably not going to make the playoffs for the next two three years. Yeah, I mean, even if they expand the postseason this year, which I know I will have to do the postseason expansion talk another time because I think you have a different opinion on that. You like it a little <laughs> more than I do. Um, we're running out of time, but. That could happen this winter. And even if they expand it to, let's say, now you have six teams getting in in each league or seven teams getting in in each league, I, I still wouldn't put them in. I still don't think they're contending for that. Nope, not with uh, not with your ace and your number one starter being also your uh, your DH. And, and it's just, who, I mean, Quintana absolutely flopped. I was hoping he'd be a little bit, you know. Yeah, but it's just such a disappointing build around. Like they, they had Mike Trout five years ago, Jack, and what did they do to build around him? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. I there are some guys on this team that I do like, but yeah, they're not game changers. I like Walsh. I like Fletcher. I like Sandoval. But I, yeah, I love Jared Walsh. He's one of my favorite players in the league. He's a, a former former pitching prospect and. He's actually my sister's uh, fiance. They're pretty good buddies in the Angels farm system together. And he's he's a guy that, you know, the the advanced metrics say he's going to cool off anytime soon. So I'm not going to say that he's going to be a stud for the years to come, but I love what he's doing now. I'm rooting for that guy as much as anyone. Well, hey, Jake, get him on this show. Hey, I'll, <laughs> I'll throw in my word, Jack. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, we're all we're always taking whoever wants to come on if you're in the world of uh athletics or reality television or entertainment i guess um but okay my last thing my last baseball thing here and then uh if you have anything else you want to add you can bring it up and then we're wrapping up this podcast we'll be finished with this podcast in a second the chicago cubs have transformed from division contender pretender whatever you want to call them they were leading the division two months ago a little less than that actually they're now almost 10 games below 500 the tank is on in chicago i watched i watched some of these games against the white Sox. i i I can't remember the last like when the cubs were rebuilding before they weren't trying to lose games this team right now is trying to lose games. I look at the lineup card. Ian Happ at 170 is your three-hole hitter, and you've got Patrick Wisdom, and I mean there are a couple other guys on that team that aren't horrible. Raf uh, Ortega, I think his name is, is it Rafael Ortega, Jake? Do you remember? Do you know his first name is? No. Uh- Jack, I know as good as you. I think it's Raphael. Yeah. I think it's Raphael. We'll go with Raphael today. And uh, he he had that game with three home runs. Like So there's a piece there, someone you want to watch. They picked up uh, Diekman from the A's, who is uh, just absolutely mashing in AAA. So like, there are guys on this team that are worth watching. Patrick Wisdom's having a good year. You still got Wilson Contreras. Why on earth is Ian Happ your three-hole hitter? unless you're trying to lose games. The Cubs <laughs> are trying to lose games right now, and they are almost, they've almost surpassed Colorado as a worse record at this point, which is really impressive in terms of tanking. <laughs> Jack, I actually, uh, I didn't realize how bad the Cubs had been playing lately. I knew they were, you know, full tank mode and everything <laughs> like that. But uh, I asked one of my Cubs friends yesterday, I was like, hey, would you rather uh, would you rather win a fantasy championship this year or have the Cubs come back and win the division? And he just looked at me. He's like, not even realistic. Couldn't give me an answer. <laughs> he's he's down in the dumps. I imagine that's how every Cubs fan is right now. But I think they did really well at the deadline. Actually, I think. I mean, I, I, I'm here curious yeah, to hear no, what you guys say about that. Oh, they did. I wrote about it last week, so you guys should check out my piece at JackVita.com. I covered every prospect, every piece the Cubs got via trade over the past several months tracing back to the Udarvis trade and I think I, I, I think they're this is the right direction I I really think they're I, I like what they did overall and I think uh, this is the way to go about it now I just want to point out all I'm doing right now Jake is I'm pointing out that this team is intentionally trying to lose games it's so <laughs> clear and um, I mean I personally I don't think there's anything horribly wrong about it because I don't think I said this so many times. I don't really think that teams often try to lose games in baseball. I think most of the time they're rebuilding. They're not tanking. They're rebuilding. So like they're trading pieces from their major league team with a long-term goal of replenishing the, the pipeline. The goal isn't, well, if we lose this many games, we'll have this high draft pick. Oftentimes, that is not the goal, but it is the goal right now for the Cubs. They are trying to get as high up that draft board as they can, um, and it's just—it's honestly kind of funny to watch. 
Yep, Jack, but why not? I mean, hey, the Cubs, oh, yeah. the Cubs haven't had why a good draft. Why wouldn't you? Exactly, and, and they're not that far away. They're, I mean, on paper, you look at the team, you look at the team, not a great farm either, and it's it's tough. But I think, you know, they've, they've at least got Kyle Hendricks. Nick Madrigal is a great piece to get back there. Um, got plenty of money to sign in for reagency, you know, get some young guys. I think I, I think they're going to be a fine team. I think they're going to – and I don't think it's going to be too long of a rebuild. But uh, if well, I was a president right now, Jack, I definitely wanted to be actively trying to lose because they do need to rebuild <laughs> that farm. <laughs> they they that's the, that's the main reason why this all happened is they, they – kept betting on the same guys, never really shook anything up, spent a lot of money and trade capital on the wrong guys. And then they never reap. They emptied out their farm system after the Quintana trade. They brought up all those guys before the Quintana trade, Soler, Schwarber, Almora, Contreras. Since then they've had nothing come up. That's been worthwhile. It's just been absolute garbage. Uh, so that it, that's where it starts. You got to build from the farm system. So honestly, I don't know how long it's going to take for the Cubs to get back to where they were. Uh, but I will say it's easier for a team such as the Cubs to turn the corner than it is for a team like the Pittsburgh Pirates that does not have the same kind of payroll flexibility. Yep, absolutely. And And Pirates just, you know, can't, can't develop young players. Cubs at least have a good track record of uh, of bringing up guys and getting the best out of them for the most part. So, well, it's something needs to be something needed to be overhauled and remade with the Cubs player development over the last couple of years. So we'll see. We'll see. I do think that the change in uh, front office is a good one because Theo had no interest in rebuilding, and that's why he's gone. He he yep. Theo put the Cubs in this spot and he he got out before he could take any blame. Um, which hey, it's his life, he can do whatever he wants, and he helped the Cubs win the World Series. But a lot of people are putting the blame on Tom Ricketts right now, and Tom Ricketts had nothing to do with this. This is all Theo. I agree, Jack. I mean, it, look at any player in baseball, any player in any professional sport, once you win the championship, you always, you know, championship hangover is real. And I think that's that's the same for any GM or anything like that. I think Theo, after he won one, you know, I'm not going to say he checked out, but I think he's the interest. There wasn't there wasn't the you know pinnacle goal and anymore, and and you hate to see it, but he kind of did the same thing with the Red Sox. But he yeah, still oh, is. He, he admitted that he did that with the Red Sox. I read the Cubs book, The Cubs Way, by Tom Verducci. And Theo says that in the book, like I got lazy, I lost interest and I needed a new challenge in order to like, I need a new challenge. So I had to get out of that because I was just complacent. And that's exactly what happened in Chicago. And that's why the Cubs didn't do anything beyond 2016. Um, but I don't think people should be too upset about it, considering what the Cubs had this past five years was something that any other fan base would love to have had. Absolutely, absolutely, Jack. They should, Cubs fans should be great. Should be grateful for uh, for the front office. You know, you get, they get so much heat, but realistically, you say it all the time. That the Cubs fans should be thanking thanking Ricketts and and not be so hard on. You know, not easy yeah. to win in baseball. Yeah, I mean, just I would say that. Look, you can be critical, you can be frustrated, you can also be grateful. You can do all these things at the same time. You can have a. You don't have to be 
have just one emotion at a time or one personality at a time and social media and a lot of media figures are set up to just make people angry and outraged all the time. And that's exactly what this is. Mm-hmm. 100% Jack. All right, Jake, anything else baseball related? We've been on this for an hour 35 <laughs> and it feels like we're only like 30 minutes into this thing. Yeah, I know. Jack. Time's flown by. <laughs> no, I, I, I had a great time, Jack. I always appreciate coming on here and, uh, and talking some baseball and just giving my, uh, giving my takes. All right, so you got you got nothing else for me today. Um, not that I can think of. I think we touched on everything, Jack. Just uh, you know, Phil's, right. got, Phil's got a big week coming up here. Three versus the Dodgers, three versus the Reds, and and we'll see what kind of a ball club they are after that. All right, we will see, Jake. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, we'll do this again in a month or so. We'll do some September baseball. Maybe maybe we'll mix in a little football then, too. Hey, love to hear it, Jack. I'm excited. Yeah, let me know anytime, dude. Always happy to come on. All right. Thank you so much, Jake. And do you want to put your Twitter or anything like that out there for the listeners? Um, not a huge social media guy, Jack. So same, same like thing that. as every time. Just, uh, you know, <laughs> follow, follow the Jack Vita show. Give him some love and uh, keep doing what you're doing, Jack. All right. Thank you so much, Jake. This is a lot of fun. Appreciate it, man. Take it easy. All right, y'all. That does it for my conversation today with Jake Poliga. Always a fun time having Jake back on the show. Always get into really interesting topics, and I think we did today. I hope you guys enjoyed our episode. And if you did, please subscribe to the Jack Vita Show, wherever it is that you get your podcasts, and follow me. On social media, at Jack Vita Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where you can vote for the best sports movie of all time in the sports movie bracket. Round of 32, getting set. That'll get going tomorrow, Tuesday, August 10th. Had a great time today uh, with today's episode. All right, so I will be back next week talking more baseball. Don't know who the guest will be quite yet, but as always, it's going to be someone good. And then we are going to have a big time guest coming up in that either it'll either be next week. So it'll either be later next week or the following week or who knows, maybe it could get postponed a little bit. I don't have a date set for this big time guest. But it's someone that I'm extremely excited to talk to. I don't, again, since I don't have a date set, I don't want to reveal who it is. Although you can ask. I just don't want to put it out there publicly. So if you send me a message on social media, I can let you know. But I don't want to announce it here and get everyone's expectations up in case it ends up not happening for a while or you know, you never know what could come up when you don't have a date set. But hopefully we'll have a date set by the next time we talk. Uh, or, well, we'll have a date set soon. And when once there's a date set, I will uh, put it out there on social media because this is a guest that is big time. I'm really excited to talk with. And we're going to have more of those coming up. Uh, should be part of the course for the rest of the year. I uh, hope you guys are enjoying the baseball, enjoying summer. 
it's pretty crazy that the NFL preseason got going. And, uh, yeah, I guess we're going to have to cover some college football and NFL preseason stuff. Uh, some We'll do some kind of preview. It's probably not going to be as comprehensive as we've done in the past with NFL. I mean, two years ago we did, like, four-part preview series. It could end up just being one part. Maybe it's two parts. College football, NFL. So we got a lot, a lot coming up in the world of sports. So I hope you guys are excited. Subscribe to this show and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It'll do us a lot of good getting this show out to more people. If you guys like today's episode, share it with someone, send it to a friend, get the word out about jackvita.com and the Jack Vita Show. I appreciate it very much. All right, so until next time, and again, I'll be back next week. So until then, I'm Jack Vita. As always, bring in the dance of the lobsters. <laughs>